0: carnivorous couch it happens once a week it swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep it forces us to watch a film about which we then speak carnivorous couch with Brady and Rob
1: Hey everybody, hey everybody, hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Carnivorous Couch, the film podcast where we do a spoiler-full film co- podcast a week from two film geeks. This week, we did 1997's Face Off. You John got me. Wu. Yes, you got me and that other voice. That's Brady. That's I'm me. Rob.
2: Hi, everyone. Uh, we're back. We're back with a 90s action classic.
1: We right, um, Rob? Yes.
2: And do we want to leap into plot or, yeah, I guess why don't we do that to start out?
1: Well, I I would like to open by saying that I was a young 12-year-old boy who was not allowed to see this movie. Uh. So one day, me and my friend Joe Thompson went to go see Grumpy Old Men 2. But we didn't see Grumpy Old Men 2. (laughs) We saw this movie. And it was great. And then my sister tattled on me and told Mandy. me. She did. She tattled on me. Mandy told uh, my dad what I had done. And my dad looked at her and said, well, so he'd lied, cheated, and steal- stole and otherwise utter- utterly pursued his goal. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> and then she ran off. Well done. Off. Yeah.
2: And a lesson and was learned. A lesson was learned.
1: Day. Yes. Uh, That's why I'm an investment banker now. (laughs) Okay, let's jump, uh, as we do, as we always like to, straight into the content, straight into the plot synopsis, Brady. Why don't you start it?
2: Okay, yeah, well, you know what? I like this plot because, like, I think it's pretty clean to describe, wouldn't you say? It's very... Quite. So, here's our opening. We open in a flashback. John Travolta is playing the character of Sean Archer, an FBI agent uh, with a family... I'm not clear on how many years in the past this is, but I'm going to say, what do you think? Like 10? Something well, o- we know like it's that? in the
1: past because it's sepia, right? Yeah, so it's,
2: it's sepia-toned. Uh, they're at a
1: carousel. I don't think it's that far in the bat, in the past, actually. I think uh, it's pretty clearly... Um, it's only been a couple of years because his his teenage daughter, Jamie, has been acting out in a certain way, but it's not like she was acting out since she was seven she was right
2: so she was older than the child that died to begin with
1: yeah she was probably 12 so and now she's like 17 or something
2: so what happens is he's sean archer's enjoying a day with his little boy on a carousel and then on a hillside, and what I liked is, like, it's this very, like, oh, sweet, like, romantic. And then as soon as the face-off title kicks in, you get Nick Cage's, like, villain, like, on the hill. It's it's very fable-like in certain weird ways. It's like, and then uh, the big bad wolf is here. And he sets up his sniper rifle to kill Sean Archer, who we learn is, you know, one of his big nemesis, The yes. guy trying to catch him. And he's trying to kill him. But at that moment... Sean Archer is giving his little boy a hug and the bullet goes through Sean Archer's chest, doesn't kill him, and hits hits the kid in the head. Yeah, and, 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 kills him. and
1: interestingly, and I think this, this scene was probably shot kind of outside of the general uh, canon of shooting of scenes where, um, you know, Nicolas Cage was uh, super maniacal and angry because... When he shoots him and he m- and he misses, like it goes through and kills the kid, mm-hmm. like he kind of gives like a, ooh, ooh, <laughs> shit. Uh, like he gives like a, a, a facial expression of like slight like regret, which as we get more and more introduced to the character, it seems out of character. So I'm wondering if they just shot that first or last. Or is there like a character progression?
2: Like does he get more and more callous as, as he goes on? I yeah,
1: who knows? I mean, he could just be a crazy fuck by now. <laughs> he might
2: just be a crazy fuck. And instead of any compassion, it's just like, oh, that's awkward. <laughs> and also, I didn't... Uh, one question. This is such a, like, I don't like to plot niggle, but, like, why didn't he just um, shoot him after that?
1: I I mean... He's on the ground. He's right there. So, given given the, the character that we have uh, in the future, maybe he was kind of chaotic and just like,
0: Ooh, this will be better. I killed this boy.
2: So it's like, you know, that's my shot. That's what happens in this en- encounter.
1: Or I, I've only brought one bullet. Because <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> that's what I do.
2: I, I love this explanation, actually. Because th- that's the one thing for sure we get. Castor Troy is chaos.
1: He is. He is uh, very much a Greek god of chaos. Nicholas chaos. Which we'll get to later. But anyway, let's continue with the plot synopsis. So, so we've yeah, got we cut
2: to some years in the future... And what's happened is Sean Archer, understandably, you could say, has made the capture of Castor Troy his entire reason for existing at the expense of his family and uh, even his connections with friends, even the people he's working with at the FBI seem to kind of view him as like, this guy's just all work, 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 like he's got to stick up his ass. Yes. And we
1: quickly cut to Castor Troy, who's uh, dressed as a priest and uh, directing the chorus uh, after he finishes planting a bomb in the back of the democratic convention center in los angeles
2: yes they're singing hallelujah and he's like oh this this is such a boring track he starts filling up a choir girl's like but you make it sound good and (laughs) so but what happens and maybe you can clear this up but i think his brother his little baby brother pollux troy who's kind of like i sense like the technical expert he's like you know Caster Troy's a maniac, and then yeah. his brother's, like, the computer genius. Yeah, they're
1: both sociopaths. Uh, Pollux is a kind of a, um, you know, uh, paranoid sociopath, and Caster is a ma- maniacal sociopath? I don't know. What, what Narcissistic? I don't know. Whatever. Some other kind of sociopath <laughs> that's not as paranoid.
2: Some that's not. Uh, yeah, the kind that's not quiet and soft-spoken like Pollux is, but rather the opposite grandstanding at all times. Yeah, they
1: got created by their uh, childhood, and they had a rough childhood. Methinks it was possibly Zeus (laughs) being a dick.
2: And I'm going to have you get more into this later, because this is fascinating. I wish
1: I knew more about it, but uh, I'll do my best. Okay, moving along. He plants a bomb.
2: He plants a bomb, and I think because Pollux does something publicly where Caster's like, no, stay low, dude. Like Your FBI's looking for us. But Pollux does it And as a result, the FBI gets the drop on them as they're at the airport. We get a big chase of Castor and Pollux in a private plane. And the FBI and their vans and SUVs hauling ass after them. Um, And a lot of chaos, a lot of collateral damage happens. Castor shoots the stewardess who is actually an FBI mole who worked for Travolta's character.
1: Yeah, he outright kills two people in that confrontation. He does. The the pilot is just like, ah, goddammit. And then the other one is, uh, you know, I think
2: I've dropped out here, actually. I don't hear what me. What do me? I mean? I hear myself. I
1: hear you. I'm sorry. Sorry, listeners. For all the difficulty with all the sound, all the time, I thought I got it
2: so good. All right. Well, you fiddle. I'm going to keep talking. So what happens is the chase eventually crashes into an airplane hangar, into the side of a hangar. Uh, and then right past, like, two oblivious guards who are just standing there. And I think they're just there just to make it even, like, more chaotic and funny. They're like, what are these guys doing here? Like, oh, they're here to be crashed into by a plane. And so then the plane crashes. So now Caster is out of the plane, skulking about the airplane hangar, and Sean Archer is right there behind him.
1: And Uh, I'm back. Yeah. There I am. Gone.
2: And Caster is firing bullets. I think a couple of Archer's guys get killed in the encounter. But eventually, Archer points the bullet, or points the the gun at Caster Troy's head. But Caster Troy points his own gun at him. And uh, what do they say? They say.
1: I I don't know. I was focusing on Uh, on audio. You only (laughs) have one bullet
2: left. Well, so do you. And then instead of, like, he has him in a headlock, and then they just let each other go to point the guns at each other.
1: Yes, they needed to do some choreography so they could have, a, you know, a, a, a discussion between the two of them. Yeah, no, they do a nice little,
2: like, I point the gun. I'm going to point the gun this way now.
1: Yes. I'm going point it this way. That's a, that's a classic John Woo thing.
2: Yeah, very, very balletic fight scenes. And uh, what eventually happens is Travolta, I keep calling him the actor's name, Sean Archer, Travolta's character for now, uh, kicks Castor in front of a jet engine and turns it on and fires him into what looks like a wind tunnel or something and uh, knocks him out. So he's finally caught the guy he's spent years tracking, the murderer of his son.
1: Yes. End of story? No. No. No, they take Sean Archer's face off and set it aside and then put Castor Troy's face <laughs> on his.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that is what happens... We get introduced to uh, Sean Archer's family, Joan Allen, great actress Joan Allen playing the wife, uh, Dominique Swain playing the daughter. I don't actually have much on Dominique Swain, but that is the actress's name. Uh, And we get the sense like, okay, well, this is it. Like the national, not the national, the familial nightmare is over. Sean, you're not going to do any more dangerous shit because you've you've gotten your grail. Um, And then he's like, yes, but... I have to do one last thing. The reason being that I can't just let Castor Troy go. He's planted a mega bomb in the center of L.A. somewhere. I need to find out where this thing is going to go off. And thus, the face-off ruse is born, because the only person who has any knowledge of it is Mr. Pollux Troy, baby brother of Castor, And so the only way to get that information out of Pollux and to stop the bomb in time is to have Pollux confess to someone he trusts, but the thing we learn about Castor Troy and Pollux Troy is they each only trust two people in the world, each other and each other. <laughs>
1: exactly. That's, that's very good. That's very good, Brady. Um, so where are we now? So <laughs> we get a very
2: scientifically sound surgery where uh, John Travolta's face gets taken off and replaced with Nicolas Cage's face.
1: Oh, yes, 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 yes. And then they put a voice chip in. Mm-hmm. Also,
2: uh, scientifically, no question. It
1: can be dislodged by a sharp blow or even a rough sneeze or maybe a strangling, strangling fight.
2: Which I like because soon he's going to end up in like prison brawls. Yeah, <laughs> It's like, okay, you can't even get touched. You're <laughs> fucked. Um, also, interesting little footnote. Uh, Wu would soon, I want to say almost the next movie. But no, no, because what's that one you love with Wahlberg? Uh, uh, the big hit. The big hit. But... Maybe a movie after that, he would return in Mission Impossible 2 to the idea of voice chips and high-tech masks to make you look like another person. Ah,
1: yes, very much so he would.
2: So, the plan is now for Sean Archer, who now looks like Castor Troy, to be deposited in what's called a black box prison. It's not just high security, it's just off the grid. Yeah,
1: it's on an old disused oil rig out, or like oil... What do they call Offshore rig out in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. I'm and everybody's got magnetic boots on that track them and can be locked down at any given point, ti- point in time. Now, Caster meets very, as he's walking into it, Caster, sorry, we should uh, figure out how we're going to talk about this. I'm going to say Caster Sean.
2: Okay, I like right?
1: that. Right, so who they are to the world is the first way we'll put it, and then who they are. really is the second one. So, Caster Sean... Caster Sean. Yeah, that's Caster... That's Sean Archer wearing Caster Troy's face. um, (laughs) Walks into the mission... uh, Mission. Now, he's doing a mission at a prison. He walks into the prison... And very quickly gets into a fight with somebody he had a sex sandwich with the night he... Or, er, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, he hey! Didn't <laughs> you didn't call me back! <laughs> no, he didn't have a sex sandwich with the guy. He had a sex sandwich with his wife and his sister. So the guy is uh, uh, pissed off. Starts a fight with him. And he's going to go to the hole if he gets in one more fight. Or shock shock therapy, I guess it is. So.
2: And he meets Pollux. And there's a moment of doubt. Kind of the framing of that fight is Pollux is like, this guy's kind of acting a little square. He doesn't directly say it, but you see, he's like, why is my brother being like...
1: He's a paranoid sociopath. He's yeah. just not. He doesn't believe that his brother's all of a sudden not dead.
2: I, but also, like, I know you got your head knocked about, Caster, but, like, you're being very kind of a shrinking violet here. The Caster I know would be going, <laughs> which eventually uh, Caster Sean realizes he needs to do, and he
1: starts, because, you know,
2: He's a man of the law, a man of peace. He doesn't want to violently fuck people up, but he realizes he must. Yes.
1: Uh, so then he starts a fight. He stops short of killing what's-his-face. Mm-hmm. And then the, the prison guards very glibly say, like, uh, I stop the fights here, not you. Yeah. And then he locks them both down.
2: Uh, that guard, played by a character actor I dearly love, the great John Carroll Lynch, who played the Zodiac Killer, probably, in oh, Zodiac. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no you mean he probably is the Zodiac killer? Yeah, he's he's You're calling w- him out. He's now, well the movie after all these years. I
2: think the movie is like, that's probably him. <laughs> that's the movie's conclusion. Um But we digress. But we digress.
1: So at any rate he gets uh Pollux to tell him where the bomb is by convincing him. Uh, and then he goes, You're so pathetic and then he walks out, he's like, Yeah, I got it, sweet, cool, it's all good. But of course it's not all good, is it, Brady?
2: Uh, no, it's not all
1: good. No, it's not all good.
2: But let's first... Oh yeah, no, it's not all good because, you're right, this is the order of things. We learn, hey, Sean Castor, you've got a visitor. He goes to the visiting uh, cement room, and the person who emerges looks like Sean Archer.
1: Yes, but before all that happens, we cross-cut back to... Uh, oh, right, we
2: cross-cut back to... Caster Troy. Caster Troy. Waking, Waking up. Waking
1: up without a face. Without a taking face. Taking some groovy pain pills and then getting Watching his videos <laughs> of his surgery. Yes, and then getting goon cohorts to go, uh, you know, take the doctor who did the surgery and T.O. Um, not Theo, T.O. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um uh he was the partner of Sean Archer and also his superior... Mm-hmm. I don't know her name.
2: Uh, she's a black woman played by an actress named C.C.H. Pounder.
1: Okay. Well, since you telegraphed it, I was going to say it is nice that uh, both his partner and... Uh, initially, I wrote down, it's nice that both his partner and his superior are played by people of color. Oh, uh, yeah. But then it's not job. so nice because they get burned alive, they which do. is also a bad thing that happens in Hollywood movies all the time. Is you, yeah, you can have a person of color. They have to die, but... <laughs> so that kind of sucks at any yeah. rate um, yeah so all three of them get killed after cutting all the witnesses yeah he cuts all the witnesses off after they give him Sean Archer's face so now back to that visit he visits
2: Sean, Caster Caster Sean, Sean. in
1: <laughs> prison and goes Muh. and then yeah of course Caster Sean then gets in a fight with him so that's two strikes for him and he's like, oh, I just have to get in one more fight in order to get my boots taken off, which he learns from some old criminal cohort who's also in that black box prison for stalking a senator or something like that.
2: Yeah, because they administer shock therapy. And mm-hmm. at first I was thinking, wait, is he going to the electric chair just for, like, insulting a guard? Because I'd forgotten that part. It's like, no, no, they just uh, they get... Brutal punishments administered as if they were in a very dystopian version of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest.
1: Well, it's shock therapy. I mean, the idea is if you're behaving poorly, we shock you. And then we tell you to be good. And if you are good, then we don't shock you. (laughs) Give him
2: a pat on the butt. Run along. Wait, you can't run. So. Because you have magnet boots.
1: Then he says, okay, I'll get one more fight. They'll take my boots off. I'll get in a fight with the dude and I'll try to, like... At the last second, be like, dude, I didn't sleep with your sister or your wife. Which is true, because he's uh, Caster Sean, not Caster Troy. And uh, then he's able to convince that criminal...
2: Yeah, uh, Sex Sandwich
1: McGee. I I forget his name.
2: Uh, I forget his name, too. It's
1: like Popo or something like that. Yeah. We'll just call him JP, because he looks a lot like my friend JP. Yeah. Okay, so he convinces JP to help him break out. Uh, The two of them begin to break out. Uh, start a big fight. F- yeah, start a big fight. Poor JP. Well, there's a prison riot that goes on prison at the riot. same time because they're like, oh shit, someone's trying to break out. Let's all right and all get out. It's kind of yeah. a mentality. Any, at any rate, poor JP falls off a ledge and dies theoretically uh, in the process. Although, Castor Shawn does try very hard to save him.
2: Uh, yes, he does.
1: And at any rate, but gun barrels are slippery. Castor Shawn breaks out of prison. And then he goes to his criminal cohorts to get allies uh pollux knows about this and uh caster archer or catch or uh, it's a sean sean caster Caster, sorry sean caster so the caster troy who now looks like sean archer like uh finds out about uh the fact that he's gone to the cohorts and him and well pollux finds out and checks it out and goes, okay, yeah, yeah. And so he uses all his FBI stuff and blah, blah, blah to go do a raid on, on the criminals' places looking for this escaped Caster Troy fellow.
2: And also, very notably, because this, this is where I think the movie does a plot twist that like I kind of like. Where like you'd think the basic plot of this is Caster Troy wants his face back. Like, he wants to just get back to being Caster Troy. And maybe at some point he wants that. But the twist that happens is soon he's like, wait. I can just defuse the bomb as this dude who has the legitimacy of the law behind him and I can be like a hero, live comfortably in the catbird seat, yeah. have the you know, have the high life, have this beautiful wife, the whole thing. Um, so his idea is actually I'll be the hero, I'll defuse the bomb.
1: And actually I do believe he does all of that before Pollux finds uh Castor Sean piling up to the criminal allies
2: Right and he meets he meets um Sean's wife for the first time and he has like an interesting interplay with the daughter where the daughter has been you know a, rebe- sh- a rebellious daughter she's uh, doing you know kind of like gothic nose rings and eyeshadow she's she acting smokes. out she's, she's doing the out. the
1: classic 90s stereotype of acting out it's
2: like look dad I put some makeup on
1: who are you anymore <laughs> You wouldn't even know. You've never bothered to find out. (laughs) Why is
2: your lipstick brown? Uh, But he's like suddenly a different person. He's like, I see those cigarettes. Can I get one?
1: Yep. Poppet's got a brand new bag. Poppet's got a brand new bag. Also, I wanted to peek at you in your underwear, which is kind of weird and creepy from her point of view, but us knowing that it's uh, Castor Sean. No, wait. Sean (laughs) Caster. Shit, That's gonna, it's going to be hard to keep... We'll just have to say, like, you know, Caster Troy as Sean Archer or the other way.
2: Yeah, I mean, let's just say in a movie where a lot of the thrust is some of the criminals, it's more complicated than that. There's good and bad in everyone. I, in spite of all that, Caster Troy is a deeply bad person.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: quite. That's very clear and made very clear by the thing. So at any rate, um, there's all this shakeup where he's like, I'm hitting on the wife because I'm a, a sex fiend and I'm like being cool to the daughter because I know what it's like to have a shitty childhood and yeah. and like uh, be acting out and all that kind of stuff happens. So meanwhile, Sean, who is, looks like Caster Troy right now, goes to the criminals, meets his, um, all the girlfriends <laughs> that yeah. Caster Troy has had and uh, one of them happens to have Birth the child of Caster Troy's, which he has told no one, but she chooses to tell Caster Troy, who is Sean at this point, that and that's sorry, the case. I'm what,
2: what's her name again? Do you remember? Sasha. Sasha. So Sasha has Caster Troy's child and is also the sister of one of Caster Troy's, like I guess, big drug dealer henchmen. He, I guess he's just like, Caster Troy's probably cohort, but also mainly drug hookup. I got the sense. Because he goes there and... And basically, <laughs> in a very funny line, John Travolta, because he's like, hey, Castro, you doing?" like, hey, you drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Something like that.
2: Um, played by the director, Nick
1: Cassavetes, who directed The Notebook. Wait, which one's Nick, the guy with the... Uh, what's his name? Dietrich. With with the shaved head? That's Nick Cassavetes? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Crazy. Well,
2: which, like, good on you, he's,
1: Yeah, he's the one who gives gets to like he goes oh holy shit you're out of prison and you're not dead sweet let's go party and he's the one who gives the great line of of when uh caster troy who's currently tron um says i want to take his face off i want to take his face off now i gotta go use the little boy's wee wee room um yeah nick cassavetes Dietrich says
0: no more drugs
1: for that man great line great Great line. line quoted many times i've heard uh, if that in wasn't
2: in the trailer I, it should have been i bet it wasn't the trailer uh
1: I, I bet you just the i want to take his face i guess that would have be been in the, <laughs> in
2: the that's the most trailery mo- uh, trailery line uh so yeah and so he learns he has this son and this is where like the movie kind of starts mixing in some complicated emotional notes like looking back to that early scene where like he gets the information out of Pollux and afterwards he's like, you're a fucking suck. Like, you're a pathetic shitbag. In this scene, like, he's starting to, like, kind of feel things. If not feel things for these people, he's getting the sense, like, oh, this is, like, messier. Like, this woman, Sasha, seems nice and, like, a good mom. And, like, Caster's such a shithead. It must be, like, hard for her. And this kid, like, obviously has never even met his father because here she is introducing me for the first time this, like, seven-year-old kid. Yes. So
1: and you get that kind of stuff.
2: And at that time is when Castor Sean and the cavalry come in, and uh, unfortunately, it's a beautiful space, but it is full of big open windows. And so, mirrors. And mirrors. <laughs> so it's, it's very hard to outrun bullets in this space, but it sure looks yeah, cool. Yeah,
1: poor Dietrich at one point says, man, my place is getting fucked up.
2: <laughs> Dietrich, don't be a high-profile <laughs> drug dealer and live in a glass house. <laughs> <laughs> Still a cool space. Yes. Very so matrixy I would the,
1: say. The whole place gets shot up. Uh the boy is um protected mm-hmm. and Sasha gets out of there with the boy. Pollux falls through the top window, all the way through the center of the thing and dies. Uh Dietrich gets shot by Caster, who steps in front of um kind of uh uh Castor Troy who is Sean holding the child. Um, and then... And th- it, Dietrich gets, like,
2: kind of capped very deliberately. It's not even in, like, a fracas. Caster's just like, the fuck you. <laughs> yeah, you
1: know, I, I thought about it at the time, but also thinking back on it, I think he just happened to step in front of him right at the time he was taking the shot.
2: He, like, so takes his time.
1: Though. I know. It, like, it's just a bit of a long... I think... Cut. I think he's Willard. He's Willarding this one. Well, we can debate that later. I, at this point... Uh, I think that he shot, uh, he was trying to shoot Sean and he just didn't care.
2: Oh uh, yeah, he does not care. That yeah. I say for
1: sure. Um, um, but also when Pollux
2: falls, uh, I kind of love that moment of the shoelace tie.
1: Yes. So then uh, this this one person, the only person he ever cared about in the world is, is dead and he's tying his shoelace and then like a little young, uh, fresh, fresh in the face FBI agent comes up and goes, sir, why are you so sad? It's just, Paul Troy. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then Caster who is who looks like Sean Archer at this point shoots him directly in the head immediately. It's a, a good couple moment
2: cuz like he gets a lot of like fun moments with the daughter and shit, but that's like his one like humanizing moment. Right. Where it's like this guy isn't just like kind of entertaining, like maybe you could almost not hate him for being charismatic, but like here's like where he just barely has a heart. And it's only for this one guy, so now he's a psychopath full on at this point.
1: Yeah, n- like now he doesn't have his brother anymore, so right. it's on now. That was
2: it. That last tie severed. Exactly. And what is on, Rob? What is on at this point?
1: Uh, Well, uh, Caster Troy runs away, and he's now like, Okay, so hanging out with the criminals didn't work. Mm. I better go tell my wife what's going on and get her to believe me. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Caster Troy, who looks like Sean at the moment, uh, decides to kill his boss, the FBI director, <laughs> so sure, he can be well. in charge of the Bureau, because bureau, he notices, he's, hey, he's always riding him, and he's yelling at him. Uh, it, he gets Time's Man of the Year, but then also he gets, uh, you know, chewed out by his boss, who, he, he's like, oh, it looks like he's got a heart problem. If I just hit him in the back of the neck, and then call him, say, hey, he's had a a heart attack, he'll be dead, and then everything will be good. <laughs> it works. Oops. Can oh. you hear me? I, I can't hear You've me. gotten unplugged. You've uh, unplugged yourself. Oh, no. There, now you're plugged back I'm in. I'm back. You were sitting on your cable. Yeah, we're okay. We're working this out. And as, as a This um, works better, but it still hurts.
2: As vice chancellor of who is that character actor, the uh, boss... Uh, the FBI director is played by the father-in-law of William H. Macy from uh, Fargo. Yes.
1: Victor Lazaro. Victor Lazaro. Is the character.
2: Is the character. I believe Harvey Presnell is the actor.
1: Very well. Very well. So, at any rate, um, now, Sean Archer, who is really Castor Troy, uh, is head of the FBI. And um, this is bad in any way.
2: Castor Sean.
1: Yeah, Sean Archer, who looks like Castro Troy, is able to convince his wife by going like, yo, he's been acting funny and all this stuff, and seriously, he's not who you think he is. You know what my blood type is? It's this. His blood type is this. Check it out. Which was actually foreshadowed when they were changing him over. They're like, your blood types are different, but Pollux won't know that. (laughs) (laughs) And Pollux didn't. Or didn't think about it or whatever. At any rate... Yeah, um, she
2: pokes him with a little, little syringe pen in his sleep. Yes. Gets the blood sample.
1: So all that goes on. The rest of the stuff is fairly convoluted. They're at uh, Victor Lazaro's funeral. funeral. Funeral Is that his name? Uh, did I just change it? I think it? you got it. No, I think okay. it is Victor Lazaro. Okay. They're at his funeral. Uh, Jamie isn't there because, fuck, if she's going to a funeral, she can't even be goddamn <laughs> to care about Michael. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and Essentially, it wouldn't be a John Woo movie if there wasn't a Mexican standoff in a church. So, all the people are in the church, including Sasha and everything like that. All these people, over the course of the plot, have been differently aligned with different people. You know, Sean Archer has some thugs, even though he's Caster Troy. So, he's he's been like, no, no, I'm really Caster Troy. I got thugs. And, uh, you know, Sasha's kind of down with uh, Caster Troy, who is Sean... And we can talk more about like specific ways that the way Sean is able to kind of uh, you know co-opt these people through actually being a good dude mm-hmm. into his service, right? Versus
2: oh, we will talk about that. Yeah,
1: Castor's just Castor, who looks like Sean right now. is just like uh, you know hiring his thugs back again. Um, <laughs> at any rate, they have a big Mexican standoff. Hopefully we can cool, still say that. Cool. What is, are those doves? <laughs> who had all these doves in yes, here? Yes, with a bunch of doves in the church. And uh, then they keep running, and then they get in a speedboat chase.
2: Oh, wait, wait, wait. But This is this is important. we got to say, uh, Sasha gets killed. And, like, I guess kind of a nice moment for her because um, she's a good mom. And so she dies telling who she thinks is Caster, like, please take care of the kid. Uh, but... I guess it's kind of nice that she also gets to die thinking that this is Caster.
1: Yeah. She, like, did, she didn't betray anybody. Yeah,
2: she didn't deserve to, like, have her heart broken anymore. She got to think Caster's a good dude, even though he is not.
1: Yeah. No, don't, so let, him, don't sp- let him grow up like us. Yeah. <laughs> speedboat chase. Then they have a big speedboat chase, and then, uh, eventually they are together. My crash. And, <laughs> and, uh... Uh, Sean, who looks like Caster right now, uh, is able to harpoon him as he's mock-cutting off his own face, and going like, "You'll have to look at my face because I'm gonna <laughs> fuck it up." I, I don't know if he was gonna fuck it up if he didn't just slash in the middle of it or something, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, let me let me make it nice for you so you can just put it back on. It might get a little sand in it. Um yeah I I know there are certain I, I
1: hate it when I get home from the <laughs> beach and there's always sand under my face. <laughs>
2: so there are certain critics I know who think it should have like actually ended with that happening. Like that okay, life goes on but he has to stay with Caster's face.
1: Oh yeah, he doesn't find like some cool doctor. Yeah. He's just like I'm not the doctor who did this before, but I can totally use all this equipment oh, that sure, it, theoretically that. he's the only one who can do it.
2: <laughs> Remember when we said that? Yeah. It's not true.
1: And also, there was supposed to be no records of this thing ever happening left, but they totally had all the records of <laughs> what what they had changed about Sean so they could put him back. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: so it's all cool. And in the epilogue, they're a happy family. And Sean in, Archer. In
1: fact, why didn't he just go back there and be like, okay, here's all the proof here. Here's all the records of what I used to look like in this operation they did to me.
2: I guess they burned all that? or I don't know.
1: No, because obviously they were able to put him back. So how would they know? I don't know.
2: I don't <laughs> know, man. Um, but then he comes back from the hospital, and he's got Nobody picked him up. Nobody picked him up. <laughs>
1: She (laughs) has got on all those painkillers and went and picked up the kid. And it's just like, we're taking him home. And and the wife just barely says, like, yes. Okay, that's fine.
2: Yeah, and that's it. That's the end.
1: Indeed. So, we've covered some time. We've covered some things. Should we do understudy and then come back and talk about it? Or do you want to do how do we like it first?
2: We can do understudy. That was a long plot. It was. A I long mean, it's movie.
1: A, it's well, it's not that long. It's what hour forty-eight or something like that. Mm,
2: two hour and twelve.
1: Oh, two hour twelve. Quite yes, it's quite a lot of movie. Well, let's do understudy, and uh, then we'll come back and start doing doing the things. It, it's also longer plot synopsis. Sorry guys, because uh, it is convoluted to talk about because you have to explain <laughs> who everybody is all the time.
2: Yeah, remember when I said the plot is real simple? Uh, I'm dumb.
0: (laughs) Okay, here we go. Understudy. We're so sorry we couldn't get the actors to do the scene from this screenplay, but we've got two understudies, and to be honest... They're probably more famous anyway, so Try to guess the actors, try to guess the movies Tweet us at C-A-R-N-Y couch This game called Understudy It's happening, happening, happening right now Whoa, where'd you come from, little guy? No
1: touchy Demon Llama! Demon Llama, where? Ah, oh no, oh no, oh no, ow,
2: my head. Okay, Demon Llama, just take it easy. I mean you no
1: harm. What are you talking about? Oh wait, I know you. You're not that whiny little pleasant, are you? Emperor Kuzco? Yeah, you know. Who did you think you were talking to? Uh, How did... you don't look like the Emperor... Do you mean, I don't look like the Emperor?
2: Uh, do
1: this. What is this, some kind of little game your country folk like to... Gah, it can't be. My face. Oh, my beautiful face. Okay, okay, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm an ugly, stinking llama. Wait, okay. Your Majesty, shh. Llama face. What happened? I'm trying to figure that out, okay? I can't remember. I can't remember anything. Wait a minute. I remember you. I remember telling you that I was building my pool where your house was and then you got mad at me. Oh, and you turned me into a llama. What? No, I did not. Yes, and then you kidnapped me. Why would I kidnap a llama? I have no idea. You're the criminal mastermind, not me. What? You're right. That's giving you too much credit. Okay, I have to get back to the palace. Yes, the secret lab. I'll just snap my fingers and order her to change me back. Hey, you. No time to waste. Let's go. Hey, Tiny, I want to get rid of this body. Wouldn't you? Now, let me go. Build your summer house somewhere else. I'm sorry, did you want to run that by me again? I can't let you go back unless
2: you change your mind and build your summer home somewhere else.
0: I got a little secret for you. Come here. No, closer. I can't make deals with peasants.
1: Hmm, then I guess I cannot take you back. Fine, I don't need you. I'll find my own way back.
2: I wouldn't recommend it. It's a little dangerous if you don't know the way. Nice try, pal. No, really, I'm telling you. There are jaguars and snakes and quicksand. I'm not listening. I'm not kidding. Listen, you cannot go ow. in there. Ow, ow, still not listening. Oh, you... Fine. Fine, go ahead. If there's no Kuzco, there's no Kuzco-topio. Takes care of my problem.
0: Now... Um, Were we doing the same (laughs) voice? (laughs) No.
1: I told you what voice I was doing beforehand. I don't know what voice you were doing. Don't say it now. Um, But (laughs) if you guys care to guess what voice we were doing, no, I wasn't doing Catherine Hepburn this time. If you thought I might be, I was trying to do someone else very much more in the public spotlight.
2: And I was not trying to do a Catherine Hepburn
1: uh, either true i yeah i don't know who you were trying to be because you told you you did like a snippet of it before we started the show (laughs) and then you said oh this is going to be awful and then i started doing my thing and yours sounded just like my thing in some ways they're very similar sounding actors though with different
2: physical builds
1: all right well i don't know what it is Brady knows what mine is. Now, do you listeners know what movie that was from or which person (laughs) we were trying to do? If you do, you can tweet us at C-A-R-N-Y Couch, hopefully, which will be a more movie-centered Twitter from now on. And then (laughs) we can uh, give you some kudos or something or, you know, do something on the (laughs) podcast that you can be like, Oh, I'm famous. Uh, Brady and Rob said some shit about me on the air. Or I mean the tape. Or I mean the digital recording that's sitting in the box in the middle of the server rack in my room.
2: Yeah, (laughs) baby.
1: (laughs) All right, Brady. Uh, Let's do that thing that we do every week where we talk about Hey, 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 how do we like it? How did you like this movie, Brady?
2: I like this movie a lot.
1: I do. Me too.
2: Yeah, I do. It's, so what what do I like about it? Because, like, It's a a cool action movie. It's a good, you know... I wouldn't... I'd say, like, if you're going to start with Wu, maybe do his Hong Kong stuff. uh, Because that's, like, where he really made his name. But, like, this is, like, a good example of of his style. Which is, like, insanely operatic action. Uh, He does this thing that you can pick out, I think, in all his movies. Where he'll... Let's say there's, like, an explosion, like, with the boat. And you'll get it from one angle... And then he'll cut again, like, as many as three or four times to the same shot of the boat exploding, but from different angles. So, like, this thing that would maybe occupy a couple seconds is actually taking 10 seconds.
1: Yeah, and he uh, excellently uses slow motion in the same way.
2: Yeah, everything is heightened. Um, he, is a melo- he is as melodramatic as they come. But what I like about this, and what I think, I guess, I'm pretty new in, into John Woo still. But I've seen a couple now of his Hong Kong ones, um, you know, as well as Mission Impossible 2, which I don't care for. But um, there's this thing he does where he goes very operatic, uh, but somehow that's not a detriment. Uh, There's, like, always a lot
1: of feeling. Yeah, there's, like, the man in white and the man in black and something.
2: Yeah, it's, like, yeah, very, like, it's very, like, he's not into subtlety, and yet somehow, like, there is a depth of emotion there that you wouldn't expect for how large and kind of, like, defined all the characters are.
1: Yeah, it's almost what, like, what Lost tried to do. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, yeah, no, you're right, because, like, there are certainly archetypes in Lost. Um, I mean, I'd say Lost, like, that's a little more deep into characterization. Because here's the thing, what deepens these characters isn't so much, like, anything they say or, like, let's get into their psyche. But like things with like the um, Sean Castor, <laughs> the, the tri- uh, you know Nicholas Cage playing John Travolta, no John Travolta playing <laughs> Nicholas Cage. <laughs> How are they no! react in contact?
1: No. <laughs> it's Cage. so hard to talk about. I know
2: Nicholas Cage playing Sean Archer, playing Caster Troy. The scene in the drug dealer house, like I think that is like a great like probably twenty minute scene where like. There's real depth to this, and you're getting the sense of, like, this guy's easy assumptions. You know, like I said before, how he kind of brushes Pollux aside. Once he has what he wants, he's just like, suck it, nerd. Fuck you. Right. And is out. And here in the drug dealer scene, like, he's like, okay, this is, like, it's kind of messy, isn't it? Like, I...
1: It's kind of messy, but it's... And there's also the... This is kind of cool. Like, there's all these hot ladies who just totally want to bone me. I can see the appeal of all of this. Yeah.
2: So he's getting, like... (laughs) It's weird, it's like, yeah, there is nuance there, but it's not the kind of nuance you think of in, like, a character drama. It's still a very operatic, very feverishly pitched sort of a deal, and yet there is sensitivity to emotion
1: in it. Well, you're able to get real character development by putting the same character in a different context. Yeah. And this is something that Roger Ebert praised this movie for, was he said, "Uh, it's actually really fantastic having the other actor playing the c- the character <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> of the person, and also just how well established they're at the beginning of the film. It's like, it's very well established that, you know, Sean Archer, played by Travolta, it's got a stick up his butt, and uh, it's just like, super, you know, sad man because of w- the tragedy that happened with his son when he was younger, and like that uh, caster Troy, played by Nicolas Cage, is a um, you know, just a crazy fuck, <laughs> right? <laughs> who's who? Um, and this is something I want to get into when we talk a little bit further, just to get your opinion on. But I, I couldn't tell if he's a criminal or an outlaw, I or, think, um, or if maybe just either of those don't even apply. My sense, but just
2: from like seeing the snippets of like what his crimes are, I think he's just like a, a morally bankrupt mercenary. So he's just like terrorism for hire. It's like, oh, you need this leader shot? Sure. Pay
1: well, hey, me. I, I'm leaning towards Outlaw, who just happens to hang out with criminals. Um, but we'll, we'll define that and all that furthermore when we get to what's all what's it all about. We're on How Do We Like It. I think you've said some things that you like about this movie. Do you have a letter grade?
2: I think I give this an A-. This is really good. It's so fun. Um, and, like, it's it's inventively shot. Like, it just... And nothing quite feels like this. like it it is a, a singular movie, I would say, even though you have plenty either before this or who are imitators of this style that maybe have this feel, this very like, as I say, feverishly pitched action. nothing that I can name quite has this blend of like big, big emotion, but at the same time they are like stock archetypes. you know, like you got the the cop who lost his kid. And is driven by revenge. And then you've got the criminal with absolutely no morals. Who like will shoot anyone. Even his own people. If it the whim enters his head. These are stock tropes. And then the brilliant thing I think Wu does. Is like picks two movie stars. Who can go big. But still deliver character with that. And it's just like alright. Make these people like feel. If not like any people recognizable from this world. Because this is insanely big. At least like. Be true to like the emotion of it. Uh, I, I think it's great. It's it's not. There's nothing like it. I don't think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I also give this movie a, an A minus for the same reason. I might even give it. No, I'm gonna give it an A.
2: Do it, man. I, there I, you
1: go. I really like uh, John Woo. And uh, <laughs> uh, he should pronounce it. <laughs> I'm very, very much a fan of John Woo. The, the cool thing that John Woo does is is that he makes violence look beautiful. And there, that was sort, sort of in. his shtick his back in the China days. And this, him having to deal with a more like Hollywood sort of thing, he's like, oh, you mean I've got actors and you want me to make it so that the actors can act and things like that? Well, what John Woo did was he, <laughs> at certain <laughs> points, uh went ahead and put in uh like there's that scene at the gangster's hideaway house uh where they're trying to protect the kid and they put the headphones on the kid so the gunfire won't start on him right. and it, it, it's he's like well this is how john woo can do john woo because <laughs> he gets to to put somewhere over the rainbow on the kid's ears and just have all these guys getting <laughs> totally shot up um very good job john woo um <laughs> and and also um like i um and i don't know if this is john woo or if it's <laughs> the writers <laughs> i applaud your commitment to this <laughs> well that's just how you pronounce it, <laughs> that's just how uh, you pronounce it. <laughs> Um, but uh, the two writers and if you wouldn't mind pulling them up while i'm while i'm chattering away but the two people who wrote this very much uh, the took the... Uh, well, I got it, I got it, I got it. I got it. Um, they, they took the whole idea of making it um, like a... sort of created some depth by... Uh, and the two writers are Mike Werb and Michael Collery. And I don't know if it was them doing it or if it was uh, mostly John Woo's um, particular sort of Feeling on the matter, but Castor and Pollux are the Gemini twins in Greek mythology. Um, The archer is a um, another Greek mythological uh, astrological astrological sign. Uh Sorry. Uh, That was just the recording glitching out there. That wasn't me saying (laughs) astrological sign. And so (laughs) there's all this sort of idea with that these characters are kind of larger than life and their motivations are, y- you know, if uh, if there's one criticism of John Woo, it's that there's kind of a ham-fistedness to his emotional um, motivations of the characters that he has. And it, it that it's always kind of hammering in the square peg into the round hole, doesn't care what the square peg is, like uh, mm. in the killer, right? Right, uh, John Woo has the guy totally going uh, to try and earn this money for one last return back to the game because he accidentally blinded a lady and he's trying to pay for her eye surgery, right. which seems kind of outlandish, John Woo. But I applaud you because John Woo is willing to commit to these things and actually motivated inside the world of the entire uh, film. And, yeah, so this gets just a flat-out A from me. Um, Like, there's all sorts of, like, cross-cutting that he does. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's weird, because it it almost feels like instead of a three-act movie, like most of Hollywood is, it's almost like a five-act. Like, the first scene where they establish him getting Caster Troy, and, and blah, 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 that's act one, okay? That was, like, 20 minutes. Okay, and then there's the whole thing where he gets transformed. That's act two. And there's the whole thing where he goes to prison and and wins the thing, but it turns out that uh, Castle Troy's already woke up and fucked the shit up. (laughs) And that's act three. And then act four is him trying to tell his wife or him trying to get the other guys and blah, blah, blah. And then act five is the resolution where finally we get the obligatory John Woo speedboat chase. And um, also the John Woo gunfight in a church with the doves flying about yeah perfect five acts man
2: i like a five act like a dark knight does this too i think i kind of dig this where it's like the guy gets captured um you know our main villain gets captured and just because they've been captured doesn't mean that the story's over and like i like it having like you know the complicated ways that Our main adversary can escape because that, to me, adds to the unease. It's like, yeah, you may think your job is done, but then things get a little messy. Can you keep the guy in prison? Or maybe you need to use the guy. Uh, It's just, yeah, I I dig that five-act structure myself.
1: Yeah, and indeed, and I see you. Okay, cool. Audio's good. Sorry, I was freaking out for a second. It turns out I actually just unplugged my headphones. (laughs) So, damn, wires, wires, wires everywhere. This makes... Life's so hard to drink. Okay, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So we got. How did you like it? Now, Brady. What's it? Woo. <laughs> What's it all about? Okay, there we go. We got. We got something going there.
2: What's it all about? That's about John Woo. It's about John Woo, of course. It's about John Woo and his. His famous performing doves. We love them all. Ladies, you all did such a good job fluttering around that church in this movie. Uh, t- t- two talons up. No, okay, what's it all about? I think what this is about is similar to what The Killer is about, which we recently watched. Uh, and it's this thing that Wu seems to like to do, or at least on evidence of those two movies, where it's like cops and criminals... Like blurring the line between them and having them like have kind of a relationship with each other. Now the difference here is Archer and Castor always hate each other. Uh, it's not like the killer where the, you know the cop and the criminal eventually kind of end up taking sides against a bigger evil and kind of see each other's way. But what you do have instead is Castor Archer <laughs> or Sean Castor going into the criminal's den you know, wearing the mask of the other guy and in that way being forced just so he isn't caught to pretend to be that person and to kind of get a sense of empathy for his world. Uh, So I think what it's about is like the messy, the messy line of like humans when it comes to doing good and doing sin, you know, good and evil, but made more complicated. Uh, Oh, and I'll say this. I, I read recently in an interview that uh Wu had clarified what the doves meant and he says the doves to him are like God's love I guess. And so what that makes me think is
1: That's that That's why they're always in a church.
2: They're always in the church. So Wu I think is like interested in these like very clean ideas of virtue and vice and then being like, yeah, but once you get in there it's uh, it can be a bit of a mess and yeah, everyone's a little vicious and a little virtuous maybe, except Castor Troy.
1: <laughs> Fuck that <laughs> asshole! Yeah, but he's fun to watch. Do he's his fun thing. to watch,
2: and he teaches a young a young teenager to defend herself, which she uses against him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm leaning kind of towards uh, your viewpoint on it, where it's like, hey, man, if you take these people and you put them in different contexts, and they're actually instead of just being like. I'm Sean Archer. I I co- go after the criminals I and am so, like, I have you know, I have the vendetta against this person who murdered my son. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like, okay, now you're in the world and you're dealing with all these other because pe- he is really hard in in that opening scene when he's trying to like find out where the bomb is planted and he thinks that Castor's dead. Right. Uh, like, he's really hard on Sasha, and he's like, "I'll take your kid away from you." Like, and yeah. He's real hard on the other guy. He just sticks a gun in his mouth, like Nick Cassavetti's character Dietrich. And like, you know, <laughs> freaks him out and this and that and he's just like, Well, yeah, he is he is kind of uh, reactionary. I mean, obviously he's still grieving, he's never dealt with the son uh, death of his son and that's why he is that way. Right. Um but I think in the course of all the stuff he starts to gain sympathy for not Castor, but um other and, people. and not for Pollux either, I doubt. But yeah, um, no. <laughs> but uh, the idea that like okay so some of these people involved in this and um they're not uh they're just involved in this (laughs) like they're not crazy (laughs) fucks and and they do have uh uh, values and they do have things that they want to kind of uh protect like it's i can't remember uh in what context this is or what it was it was an interview with somebody i was listening to on a podcast much like this one but not like this one because it was real <laughs> <laughs> i don't know we got s- this is episode 73 so we're, we're real now we're real we're we're um, almost a real boy but it was you know like a criticism of people who think about immigrants of these people in this <coughs> other country as like crazy or terrorists or so forth and so on and it's just like well if you really come down to it, what you realize is most people want to uh have enough money to be able to do whatever they want right, and be fed and take care of their uh, family and their children and so forth. And I think that's kind of what he was walking into, like, uh, Dietrich's whole thing where he, like, he kisses his sister goodbye and says, get out of here, even though he's been shot. And goes, like, well, we had some good times, buddy. Like, you know, and just dies. Right, <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, well, I did the best I could to do those things as long as I was here. I guess I'm not here anymore, but mm, that, that's it. That, that was all he was trying to do. Right <laughs> and you know take care of everybody and have a good time and be able to do whatever he wanted, whereas Casser and Pollux are kind of both sociopaths uh Pollux being the i i, I would go with you I think uh, Pollux is the paranoid sociopath and Casser's um, the narcissistic sociopath um, the idea that right. they're these Greek Gemini twins, and uh, as the myth goes like. Castor um doted on Pollux and so forth and so on, and when Castor got wounded, Pollux gave uh he was given a choice by Zeus, <laughs> which maybe is where their fucked up childhood came from um, <laughs> ah, shit. he was given a choice by Zeus like yo know, look either spend half your time in Hades and half your time on Olympus or and uh you can give uh, Pollux half your immortality or other way around uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of those two. <laughs> and so I think Castor decided Castor decided to keep uh, I, I'm probably bollocksing up this myth altogether, but uh, Pollux was poisoned. And uh, Castor decided to keep his immortality and spend half his time in Hades and half his time in, in Olympus, which is like kind of an interesting thing about this movie, if it is falling along those lines, written by those two writers I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, that it's essentially, when he when Archer becomes him, that's kind of like the version of him that's on Olympus. And when he's right. just who he is beforehand, that's the version of the caster that's uh, in Hades.
2: Yeah, it's, that's very cool and smart stuff. Um,
1: yeah, yeah I I'm probably totally bollocks it all up, but I think there was something that was trying to be done there, and it pushes this film into, hey, the reason all these people are archetypes and everything's all crazy and whatever, and it's maybe not necessarily believable or motivated, is because it's a Greek myth, man. Like just because yeah. it's happening in present day with guns and speedboats and fights <laughs> in church,
2: they're grand types. And then, uh, and I also like that of like that story also has like the protectiveness of, of family built into it, which is I guess like the one thing that like we say that everyone has, like um, that people like even these people who you think are like the most vicious criminals, they're good to each other. Uh, except, and here's (laughs) what, except the asshole, for the most part, except for Pollux, uh, which, again, I love that scene. But what also I think, like, always works emotionally for me in this story is that you come to like these people that, you know, Sasha and Dietrich, as you get to know them, and as they're meeting the version of Caster, who's actually Sean Archer, you're like, I kind of wish these people had a better person to be around than Caster Troy. Because they're, they're treating him very well, and they're very nice to him, and they, they think about how to please him, and they are very considerate of him. Well, and there's
1: also the kind of idea that he's the rock star. Right, right? he's the he rock star. Who made it out as, like, remember the little people? Right. Who helps you rise to the top of this criminal kingdom?
2: Yeah, and maybe that's why he feels entitled to be a, a dick to them. Uh, but you get the sense where it's like, in Travolta's, or in Cage as Travolta's reading... Where he's like, like these people, like they deal with this guy who's kind of a shithead. Like That kind of is sad for them. Especially Sasha, right? Right. Because it's like, she's like so plainly a good person in spite of her failings. And you see him just be like, shit, this woman has a kid too. Like the one I lost. And she's in love with this guy who's totally absent. And has probably went around totally emotionally absent. And like, uh, shit. It's that, it's that human mess, man.
1: Yeah, well, so there's that, and then, um, so in this season of Fargo, kind of brought up this question, and it, because it's fresh in my mind, I, I started thinking about it in terms of this film, which is, I mentioned it earlier, like, is, are Kessler and Pollux are they criminals or are they outlaws? And I guess the way, and so the way the ladies in Fargo to find it is like no we're not criminals criminals still have to pass and they still have to deal with the system they still mm-hmm. have to deal with like all all the people in the system and outlaws just do whatever the fuck they want we want freedom that's all we want and so I kind of look at it as like Kasser and Pollux are outlaws amongst criminals that like Dietrich and Sasha and all those people are mm-hmm. criminals because they're still getting called in to get questioned and like hey you ain't got nothing on me you can't prove nothing. You can't do it. They still have to deal with the system in some way, shape, or form. Right. And even though they're operating uh, in a criminal uh, enterprise outside of it with their drugs and their this, that, and their whatever and all yeah. that stuff. And meanwhile, but Casser and Pollux um, just want to do whatever the fuck they want to do and they're sociopaths and they don't give a fuck about it, anybody. They do Wh- Which is different. I'm not kind of calling that on the people who profess to be outlaws in Fargo. But, like, the idea is that because it's intermingled in the whole criminal enterprise thing if i were to put that sort of idea towards i mean maybe there's a third category which is just uh, fucking asshole sociopaths (laughs) (laughs) and that's who they are and uh, they're neither outlaws nor criminals um but you know it's it you know says you should try terrorism for hire it's more fun right right? like that kind of uh leads me towards like no we're outlaws but we'll deal with the criminals to to fucking, but like, we just want to do whatever we want to do and we don't give a fuck about anybody else or playing the game Mm -hmm. or passing to anybody, but we'll deal with the criminals and they'll be our buffer between us and the real world.
2: Yeah, no, I I agree. I think he is an outlaw who's just like, I'll kill. I got no problem killing. Give give me the right price. Um, I'm a rock star of my own making. I'm like a a self-styled rock star if if instead of playing a guitar, I play the gun.
1: Well, it's, yeah, it's almost like he's the person who's able to go get it done. Pollux is the brains who's yeah. able to technically manifest it.
2: And even down to him having those guns with, like, the gilded lining where it's like, yeah, these are, like, my tools. Like, I, I love them. They're not just, like, things I use. They're my art.
1: <laughs> yeah, I kind of wonder how Dietrich got those back. Because remember, he has, like, the box... Yeah. Like, uh, when he's getting on the thing, he's got the box that, with all the drugs in it, several joints, some pills, some gum, <laughs> and the two golden guns or whatever. Right. And then, like, he gets captured, um, theoretically killed by the FBI. But meanwhile... Um, you know, he's actually in a coma, and they're keeping him alive, and then the whole plot of the movie happens. But somehow Dietrich gets that box with us. Maybe he just had a couple spare guns, and then he still had the box.
2: Or does Dietrich <laughs> keep them in that scene? Where, who keeps the, the box when he gets on the plane?
1: Uh, well, yeah, he doesn't take the box with him on the plane. Okay. He's, he's with all the people who meet him at the time.
2: That's my best explanation, then, is somehow, like...
1: Those guys pieced out before yeah. the whole uh, FBI, because they were after target number one, right?
2: Yeah, that's. I guess that's got to be but, it.
1: But Caster still had the guns on him when they have the gun battle in the True. first set piece. Yeah, so, he did. This, yes, so he did. Did Dietrich <laughs> just keep a spare set of guns somewhere in a safe in his nice, cool-ass place?
2: I guess so. <laughs> I guess he must know that... Caster would have his uh, weapons confiscated, so it's like, here, buddy, I'll just get from like the gun closet of gilded guns that yeah. you keep. Here's two more. That's why we buy so many. We they buy in bulk. Gave them
1: to Sasha as, as a, a one year anniversary gift. <laughs> Remember that time we took mescaline and then like fucked, and then you were pregnant, so <laughs> I didn't hang out anymore. Here, here's a one year anniversary <laughs> <laughs> gift.
2: Oh, golden. Guns, you got me this last. Year. No, thank you. They're <laughs> lovely. I just, I just think gold guns are cool. Oh,
1: no, caster, gold is the ten-year <laughs> anniversary. I'm
2: <laughs> oh, sorry. Here are your paper guns. <laughs> Leather guns. <laughs> For was that seven-year?
1: I don't know. Leather? I don't need to know as soon as you do. Yeah, actually, wha- <laughs> I'm not married yet. Yeah,
2: I should not be foisting this. <laughs> non married people I'm like what who gives a
0: fuck?
1: Okay, let's uh let's do Metacritical and then uh come back and uh, talk some scenes if we want to and then uh, pick the next movie. Oh
2: yeah. What?
0: Okay. Let's do it with the Metacritical intro. A Metacritical Rob's never gonna win. A Metacritical Where I'd better win. Brady's the victor again, woohoo! So it's time to play. I'm gonna lose today. Metacritical, yeah, it's time. Time to play.
1: Alright, if you try to type Metacritical into Chrome while that's playing, what you get instead is a big ad that says (laughs) HUGEDomains.com. (laughs) <laughs> apparently Metacritical's uh, uh. an open domain that I could buy if I wanted. <laughs> we could uh, post wow. all our scores. <laughs> we could make it its own podcast. <laughs> hey, everybody, not only at carnivorousstudios.com, but you can go to metacritical.com. This is a joke, by the way. Everybody, don't do it. This is You can go to metacritical.com and get advertised about <laughs> huge domains. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, here we are.
2: So I think you should get it started so that you have... One more pick than me. You want me to get his party started? Started. Get his party started. Is that British? You sound kind of like Lily Allen, maybe? I
1: I don't know. (laughs) Getting hot in here. I guess I was doing that. Oh, you're doing a Nelly? Yeah.
0: Get his party started. (laughs) Getting hot in here. We're going to (laughs) work on this (laughs) song.
1: (laughs) It sounded like a British Nelly.
0: It's getting hot in here. It's getting hot in
2: here.
1: Yeah, it's supposed I'm to be cold in Boston, but it's getting that in the air. So y'all take off your clothes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, pick a movie. Pick Any a movie. Any movie. A movie. Okay, What Dreams May Come.
2: Oh, boy.
1: Which is uh, a movie that we did it's, it's somewhere like episode 40 blah, 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 of Carnivorous Couch.
2: Yeah, I think it was like earlier on. I know Grandy was still living in California, our friend Grandy, who was a... Uh, you can hear him on the cast, one of our most fabulous guests.
1: Yes, and hopefully he'll be back soon. Oh, yeah, I hope so. Yes. Well, I mean, not necessarily to California because he very much does like his job, but, but on, on the cast. cast, yes, we'll zoom him in or something because that's a thing you can do nowadays.
2: He's he's one of our best. I, Cox is good, too. Cox, you're missed. We kind of wanted Tess to be on this because she's got woo thoughts. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Woo thoughts <laughs> for days. <laughs>
1: yes. I remember all her complaints of misdirected. Woo! <laughs> okay, so what do you think Metacritical is, Brady? Uh, I'm gonna go like a
2: 44.
1: And here I am, just making noise by moving my wires around my head. Here, that's better. That's more comfortable. This way I won't unplug things, hopefully. Um, you said 41? 4. Just. Four? 44 okay <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like look I know it wasn't heralded by critics but I don't think they hated it that much
0: <laughs> two
1: <laughs> okay um I think it's higher than that i I think uh, I think it was more like the time I, I guess as time has gone on people probably think less of it uh, but Cuba Gooding was on the top of the world and uh, Rob Williams is always Rob Williams Uh, I don't think anybody ever looked at a Robin Williams movie and said, you know, this movie was good, but Robin Williams was bad in it. I mean, maybe like RV or something. (laughs) No, I think they would have said this movie is bad, but Robin Williams (laughs) was still great.
0: (laughs) 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 Okay, um, so I'm going to go with 68. Bop-a-doo. Bop-a-doo, I'm going to type the thing. What
1: dreams may come. is a. (laughs) Forty-four. <laughs> Whoa, I got it. Yeah, fuck you. Dang. <laughs> start out the gate on negative on five and I'm at 24.
2: I don't want to toot the horn, but that's two weeks in a row that my first guess was negative uh, five.
1: How did you know I was going to pick this movie and why did you look it up before <laughs> this started? I
0: think I so obviously. No, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs>
1: I'm going to start cussing at you now. I'm not going to wait for this thing. <laughs> this is... A less than auspicious start, I will admit.
2: But but now I get to pick one. Okay,
1: let's let's stick I, I, with bad movies. I think you should. not I don't think you should be able to pick one.
2: No, I am. I'm gonna pick uh, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s
1: uh, Radio. I don't even know what this movie is.
2: It's about a mentally handicapped man who cheers on a football team, and they uh, they learn things
1: about themselves. That's, that's a terrible thing to say about Radio Raheem Brady. <laughs> that is not who he was. He was a symbol of people who should be respected and not have bad things happen to them.
2: Yeah, it's true. He was Bill Nunn
1: from Sister Act. Well, guess Sister. what? I'm going to let you go first because I've never even heard of this fucking thing. <laughs> Radio?
2: Okay. I'm pretty sure it's really bad. I mean, I it's yeah, I
1: know. Wait, years it rum.
2: Oh... Uh, Probably early aughts. Okay. I'm going to say it's got like a 38.
1: <sighs> okay, i got to make up 24 points. 24 points. <laughs> God damn it. I can't imagine that you're that far off. I can help a you, but... 14. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like, I can help you. No, I can't help you. No one can help
1: you. Radio. radio. From... Two thousand three. That's it.
2: Thirty eight. Dang, I got that one on the button. Fuck this yeah. is getting out of hand. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't believe you. I think that you've looked up all of <laughs> all of Metacritic. You know what? From now on, you stay off Metacritic. I'm gonna <laughs> check your browser history. Okay, that's a
2: that's a deal. That's a deal. <laughs> I haven't thought about radio since they were making Lord of the Rings films. What the fuck? I don't know how I got that one.
1: Alright, Pulp Fiction. Ooh. Uh, like, I actually know this one off the top of my head.
2: Oh wait, maybe so do I because you were
1: No, you you actually do.
2: I do, I know. Okay, so fine. We we're not do doing
1: well true romance. True romance. Okay. Okay.
2: You're going first this time.
1: Yes. That's no. You go first. I made you go first last time because I didn't know anything about radio. Oh, okay. I should have gone first last time, but given that I'm so far in the hole, I am now off 24 twice, and you're dead on twice. (laughs) Why don't you fucking pick it, there, buddy?
2: I'm just. I. I'm mesmerized by the trailer to Radio playing silently on your
1: screen. (laughs) That's what it do when you look shit up. Do
2: you know what the famous line from radio is? It's Ed Harris is like, we wasn't teaching radio.
1: We were teaching, Radio
2: was daddy. teaching us. <laughs> I don't know if he has a southern accent. Okay, True Romance. I think it's a polarizing one, but probably more on the up than the down. I,
1: I'll just go right down the middle with a 60. More on the up than the down, and you said 60? Well. I would figure more on the up than the down would be in the 80s. No, oh, no,
2: 80s is very good. Well, what's a hundred?
1: Yeah, See, I, I always talk to Ross about
2: this because you think like, oh, 80 is like a B. But really, uh, you have to factor in the fact that like. You're
1: better than 80% of the movies. Getting
2: basically. that many hundreds is like hard, right? So that's right. why.
1: No, I understand. I figured most things would be in the 92 range if it's really good. And then it would be in the 78 range if it was just kind of good. And it would be in the the 60 range if it was not so good.
2: It's more like sixty is your like B like low B. Well,
1: fuck it. Seventy That's not gonna make me up twenty four points. Uh, or in this case I need to could make, make you up you up
2: twelve? No oh, I,
1: I need to make up forty eight plus ten.
2: Well no excuse me, it could <laughs> make you up seventeen. You just gotta you gotta hit it.
1: I need to make up fifty eight points. How do you think this is gonna work out for me? Just bullseye <laughs> it from now on.
2: Nothing but bullseyes.
1: True romance?
2: True romaine.
1: <laughs> uh, no, I spelled it like romaine lettuce. <laughs> Don't you be a 60. <laughs> 59. Go.
2: This is going to be my Brady's best round. Brady's score is going to be
1: like, like I went Brady with a score <laughs> of n- negative 9.
2: <laughs> I've never done it. This could be the first time it happens. Okay. So now I go?
1: Yes. True romaine. Pick something I've seen. Okay, okay, okay.
2: True romance got a lot of actors. You macaroni in Macaroni, <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Who's the guy who's the agent in that movie? Who's like the agent in that?
1: Um, the agent. Yeah, or like the, the producer. The producer, the, the producer. Oh, uh, played by Lee Donowitz. Lee Donowitz is the name of the character. Um, Saul Rubinek.
2: Oh yeah. Oh. Oh shit. I I don't know that much. He's in. He's in Star Trek. He's in Frasier and uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Check the app. Uh, okay, that's not the way to go then, because I don't know enough Rubenek, Slater, Broken Arrow. Wait, have we? We did that. We've done this. God damn it! we done Broken Arrow. I think so. Oh no. Recently. And that would be another woo, woo. <laughs> uh, what about? Is okay, fine. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves.
1: Haven't we done that? Have we? Or did we do Robin Hood Men in Tights?
2: I don't remember. Okay, well,
1: if you don't remember, I don't, I and don't. I think that we have done it. It might give me the juice I need. Okay, and there we'll we go. We'll pick first on Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which is the Costner one, right? That's the Costner. Yes, and Will Scarlet's played by Christian Slater. Yes. Okay. 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 What is this? The third movie? The fourth. The, oh shit. We but I get to pick the next what one. What Dreams, Radio, and True Romance. All right. So now we're on
0: Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves.
1: Well, it's not quite as bad as the one that Tony Scott made. Ridley Scott. Tony Scott. Ridley Tony. Scott. Tony? Th-
2: oh, wait. No, you're right. It's, it is Ridley. It's Ridley. Damn, yeah. that's a bad Ridley.
1: I know. Poor Ridley. Um,
2: Sorry, Tony, but your brother's a little more uh, <laughs> prestigious than you. Rest in peace.
1: Um, silence for suspense.
0: Woo! 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 Woo.
1: Just air escaping from the folds of his fat. Okay, I'm going to give it a 69.
2: That seems like a good score. And I'm going to go with a 58.
1: Does it have a colon? I didn't put the colon.
0: God, what a quibbling system. I know, it's terrible.
1: Okay. 51. 51, okay. So you're still at negative 2. Uh, yeah. Okay, last movie. Last movie. Murder in the First, another Christian Slater.
2: Murder in the First. Murder in the First?
1: Yes, Murder in the First. When did that come out? Um, 98? Okay. Or so it's Christian Slater and somebody else who I think is famous. Uh, he's Christian Slater's the. Oh, yeah. It's fucking uh, Captain Bacon. And uh, he's in uh, Alcatraz. And then he's in solitary for a long ass time. And then he kills a, another inmate. Okay. And then the whole thing that he's arguing is like, yo, uh, you drove the guy insane. And also, he was in there for, like, stealing a postage stamp from, like, the post office or some shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, you, you're the one who made him nuts. And also, he probably shouldn't have been in there in the first place. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it basically shut down the solitary confinement program at Alcatraz. Okay. Yeah, okay. that particular case.
2: I'll go with a 53.
1: Okay, so I'm down 50. 3 <laughs> No, I'm not actually picking that. Okay, I'll give it uh, 72. 72. Which is probably too
0: good for it, but God damn it. I can't be Brady. And set first. What?
1: Oh, there it is. Murder in the First, 2014 actually. 68. 68, okay. I did better than you on one for once.
2: You did? <laughs> I am, I'm unfortunately not in the negative anymore.
1: Good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. You got an 82,
1: I got a 13. Great. Well, you know what we play now? We play this. <laughs> Bitch! <laughs> Damn it, that's the wrong one. It's this one. A Metacritical. I
0: again.
1: Fuck you. Yeah, we haven't done a rank it for a while, so anybody who just started listening to this since yeah. this research into the podcast is like, what the hell is that, that you accidentally clip, keep clicking on?
2: Actually, do me a favor, hit that rank it again. Hit it one more time.
1: Hit uh, intro or outro? Uh either one. Uh okay. <laughs>
0: Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. Break it. Bitch. Oh yeah, it's been a long
2: time. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna jump in here. I'm not gonna do a
1: rank it. People, if you haven't heard our
2: rank it episodes, check them out. Uh, we've got, it's you know... about ten
1: of them. Yeah, about ten. A nice handful. And then on the early podcast, they're uh, kind of folded into the podcast itself, but it ended up going for like an hour on Rank It, so we're <laughs> like, we should just make this our own thing, because otherwise the podcast is two and a half hours long. <laughs>
2: I'm going to quickly do a very brief performance rankings. My top eight here. Except, I'm making an unusual distinction here. I am dividing... Cage and Travolta's performances when they're playing their original <laughs> characters versus their, their cross em ups
1: Yeah, so Cas- Caster Sean and Sean Caster versus uh, uh, Sean Ca- uh, Shit. Oh, I guess that's the problem with calling it like that because at a certain point you've got two names that are the same that mean the opposite flip. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's
2: hard, but, but I think the people get it. You guys know what's going on. And you've probably seen Face-Off. Yeah, and if you don't get it, you can think John Woo. (laughs) (laughs) That's just what Woo do. (laughs) So, okay, number eight. Coming in lower than some people would expect because he has my favorite line in this movie, maybe, which we haven't said yet, which is, I can eat a peach for hours. (laughs) Which is the greatest line because he can only be talking about genitalia. <laughs> because if it's an actual peach, it makes no sense. You know, I was talking about a woman's uh, underthings. I was using fruit as a metaphor.
1: Anyway. Hey, remember when we were on AOL <laughs> when we were kids? <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't tell out ourselves.
2: I remember it. We have outed ourselves as old. Oh, okay. Uh, so, number eight, I'm going Cage playing Caster. Which, you don't get that much time with him, right? So, like, maybe that's part of it. Is, And it's when, like, Cage is going his most insane, but I prefer him when his insanity is in Travolta because it makes more sense for him to be going insane in that respect, right? Yeah. Uh, number seven. I quite like C.C.H. Pounder as the black uh, woman chief. It gives a lot of gravity to a short part. Something I like about Wu that we were saying is even if these aren't, like... Sorry, oh, something you like, like
1: about who? Woo! There you thank go. Thank
2: you. I'm sorry. Is um, Here's what Woo is good at. This is a good place to, like, say where his kind of magic is. Is, like, we said already, these aren't, like, detailed characters in terms of, like, backstory writing or anything. So what he's good at is, like, the character's just got to pop. And part of that is having a good movie star like Travolta or Cage who's just going to, like, even if it's not, like, Shakespeare, it's going to be like energetic, and you're just gonna be like, whoa, like, I get this person because they pop. Um, and he also does a good job in this movie with small parts like this Black Station Chief who just gives the gravity for her, like, maybe six minutes of screen time. Uh, she gets the death scene. Good stuff, CCH Pounder. So that's your eighth highest. Uh, that's my seventh. Oh, okay. Number six Travolta playing Sean Archer. Now, part of that's the character. It's his whole arc is he's got to stick up his butt. He's not the most interesting person because he's just obsessed with catching this dude.
1: After that Metacritical, I've got to stick up
2: my butt. <laughs> <laughs> metacritical, i got to stick up my butt. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! All right, number four. Now we're getting into the good shit. Gina Gershon as Sasha. Wait, six was
1: uh, Travolta, Travolta playing as Archer. Archer. Yeah. What's five?
2: Five, Gina Gershon. Okay, Sasha. sorry, you said four. Oh, sorry, thank you. Uh, terrific performance. I wish there was more of her in it. She's like gold anytime she's on screen. And I love her final entrance when they're like, a brother, like a f- father could never forget. Neither could a brother. And then from off screen, neither could a sister. Or wait, <laughs> what does <laughs> she say? Her
1: sister. Yeah. Because, because oh, because her brother got and, and yeah. It's
2: great. I love it. Um, Number four, who I... I think is an underrated actor, Alessandro Nivola playing Pollux Troy. I really like the characterization of Pollux Troy.
1: Actually, when I saw his um, IMDb photo when I was looking through the stuff, I was just mm-hmm. like, damn, that is that is not a nebbishy-looking nerdy guy. That's like a swarthy, like he's a handsome very Italian strong Italian-looking guy. Italian looking guy. He, he really transformed his look for this, this part. Yeah, seriously, good job. He's He's so handsome. Good job, makeup department. I'm yeah, glad I like that
2: you would decided to work with John Woo. And I like, I'm a big brother with a little sister. I've never had a baby brother, but I'm just going to say that baby brother energy feels so damn right. Like down to the shoelace tying where it's like, yeah, I don't know, something about that chemistry is just yeah. great. Your job is to protect him against himself, oh. everyone, <laughs> even <laughs> himself. Nice. Good cage, Rob. You're letting the cage open. Uh, number three,
1: Joan I n- Allen. <laughs> I know why the cage cage draw.
2: <laughs> 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 uh, Joan Allen as, <laughs> what's her
1: name? Eve Archer. Yes.
2: I mean, Joan Allen. She's one of our most terrific actresses. Uh, she does a great job. At, well, especially
1: and Especially as a 14-year-old, I was just like, wow, that's the matriarch?
2: She's hot. That's a pretty <laughs> matriarch. <laughs> that's a pretty
1: matriarch.
2: <laughs> And, you know, just to say, this kind of part can often be, like, a bum rap. Like, it's boring sometimes to play the the wife. Like, I'm just the wife. But she gives it good stuff just with her facial expressions. Yeah, she's
1: great. She's, uh, like, the character's actually pretty in-depth. She's a doctor. Yeah, I guess, like yeah. Like, she's dealing with her daughter being all freaked out. or, or That's true. son. or son. That's thoughtful. Uh, son being dead. <laughs> uh, husband being kind of absentee and checked out and not doing the shit that he should do.
2: Right, They th- yeah, they make her impressive in her own right. This is like a woman with an intellect. and th- uh, Yeah, you know what? That small kind of stuff, much appreciated while we're talking about the representation on screen and shit. That is good. Okay, and I guess it has to be these two at the top. Number two, Cage playing Travolta, who for a... B- oh, yeah, no, Cage playing Sean Archer. Yeah. um, Which... He almost should have the number one, just because I think he gets the best emotional scenes. He gets the he gets the face off, <laughs> <laughs> the face off, and he almost wins it for me because I think he does so good in that scene by the bay or whatever with Sasha, and he has to give that line without telling Sasha that he is you know Sean Archer who she hates because Sean Archer is the man who's tried repeatedly to, to destroy her family, and he just has to sadly just be like. No matter what, you won't have to deal with Sean Archer on your back anymore. Right. And I think, he, he, I think he's great in that
1: scene. That's because he knew she was going to get killed.
2: Yeah, he <laughs> did. <laughs> he knew he was in a whoo movie, even if she didn't. But best of the best, I got to say, I think Travolta playing as Caster Troy, playing Sean Archer, is having the most fun in this. As he yeah. says, no one else is having any fun, and he's just papa's got a brand new bag in it all over the screen he's just dragging his bags all around he's smoking uh yeah
1: in the house in the house and his doctor wife doesn't smell it (laughs) maybe she's got covid and she can't i don't know what's going on with that (laughs) thank you rob now now we can place when this episode was recorded exactly 2020 (laughs) 2020 the year that shall not be named after it ends
2: yeah, and, th- and then COVID went away after 2020, so we know it's 2020.
1: Exactly. It's perfect. Yes. Yes, it went away.
2: Well, uh, now, I, I'm i just going to provide a little Wait. historical context is here. Is that
1: the end of your ranking? That is the end of the ranking. Okay, so we can Oh, yeah, you got to
2: pass it. Yeah.
0: Bitch!
1: Yeah. And, of course, that's Jesse from Breaking Bad. From Breaking
2: Bad. Yes. Now this was ninety-seven. I remember this year like really well. This is a year when I I was young, but I saw like a lot of the Oscar films. I saw Good Will Hunting and As Good as It Gets, and of course, like everyone, I saw Titanic. I want to ask this. Was that ninety? I thought it was ninety-five. No, it's ninety-seven. Ninety-five is Braveheart.
1: That's true. Ninety-five is Braveheart. I was so chuffed about uh, when I saw the the um preview for Titanic. Sometime oh, yeah. in nineteen ninety six. I was like running around the backyard pretending I was like <laughs> like escaping the thing. I was I was so excited about it and then I saw the movie and I was just like that, w- that was cool I guess but I mean You just
2: wish it had been all the the disaster stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so sort of you watched it. a lot of the Oscar movies. Nineteen ninety seven was Braveheart, but what how are you contextualizing here?
2: Well I Mainly, I wanted to, A, provide context as to what movies this came out in the same span of. Because Face Off only gets one Oscar nomination for sound effects, which I think is deserved. I think there's some cool sound effects here. And they do the thing during the surgery where it's like a mixture of their two voices. Right. I thought that was dope.
1: Yeah. Oh, and then also later in the thing where he has like the knockdown drag out. And uh, a scene that we kind of skipped in the plot synopsis is Jamie's about to like, shoot uh, them and she's like no shoot him because uh he's me no shoot him because i'm me obviously yeah and he's like no you can hear my voice because like he didn't bother saying there's a voice ship and it got fucked up and now you can hear that i sound like <laughs> me
0: <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> that's like way to freak your kid out it's like listen it's me She's <laughs> like no you're just you're nicholas cage and you do a really good john travolta impression okay
0: <laughs> well that is true Hear
1: my voice it's me it's me <laughs> Papa's got a brand new bag and all that <laughs>
2: Papa's got a brand new bag man Um, uh, <laughs> I was going to ask this let's take Titanic if you could face swap any two characters in Titanic who would it be
1: oh the um, the oh God, the Billy character uh, oh Billy Zane yeah Billy the bad S- guy the Billy Zane I'd face swap him with Kate Winslet <laughs> that's awesome because <laughs> I wanted to see what it's like when he's drawn that French girl <laughs>
2: Does he still have Kate Winsett's body? I, no, because <laughs> they do the body stuff in this too, don't they? They they give you not just a new face, but the whole. N- no,
1: the doctor was like, "This will be fun. No, this will be fun. I, I'll, <laughs> just I'll the change the face. No, I'll, I'll change the face, but uh, <laughs> I'll change the body. I'll leave the tits.
2: Draw me like one of your French girls. I am a French girl. I think, I, uh, and I'm going to say I would face swap Kathy Bates and uh, and that Italian stereotype guy. <laughs> I don't know
1: why. Oh, I at least had had both actors' names. No, I
2: like yours. I might switch to yours. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Um, There was one scene in Face Off I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Which is something, I mean, something that John Woo does great with this whole entire thing is that um, he plays with reflections the entire time. Like, as soon as they, they face-swapped and they're this and that, like, they yes. keep seeing themselves in mirrors. Like, there's the scene where he grabs the picture and he's looking at his son, but he sees his own reflection in the face and it's Caster Troy's reflection. And he, like, smashes the thing and takes the picture <laughs> out, so there's no reflection. And there's that great scene in uh, when they're shooting up the gang thing where it's just the two of them left after Pollux has died. Right. And they're, they're, there's mirrors everywhere, so they're, they're standing on two sides of a sectional wall and both sides are a mirror, so they're pointing the guns at each other, but they look like themselves who are each other. So it's kind of like a mindfuck, because it's like, I should not shoot this thing that I've become, because that would be (laughs) self-damaging. But then again, the guy's on the other side of the mirror, and it's going to go through it, and and he looks like me, like this, like... Shit.
2: It's pretty great. Why don't
1: we just switch back? (laughs) We switch it. Yep, that's where they get the light. It's like,
0: oh, why don't we just switch back?
1: Oh, wait. No, no, no. Uh, Travolta says it. Travolta, who is Castor Troy, says it. Oh, and yeah. why don't why don't we just switch back? And, uh... I uh, want my
2: bag back. No. I want my old bag. We're
0: not going to switch back.
1: No.
2: Or we could just kill each other.
1: <laughs> many disco dances. <laughs> um <laughs> disco dance. They kind of... Kind of flip themselves around and do some stuff. Dibbity do and laggity la. La
2: Laggity la. Yeah, you know, but that's great. That's like exactly where that woo line is. Is that scene should be goofy and absurd, and it is. And it's also cool as shit, and also like actually has at least a symbolic meaning that ties into the movie. It's doing these like three things. And in that way, woo in this movie. More than any else I've seen. Wait, who? Woo <laughs> is kind of in the zone of a filmmaker who made a film I really love from this same year. He's kinda getting into the Verhoeven zone where it's like this should be goofy and it's allowed to be goofy and fun, and yet it's somehow also sneaking like its own kind of like deep enough meaning into it. Like you're allowed to both like be delighted by absurdity, but there are ideas going on. Yeah, and I wouldn't
1: would be surprised if Mike Werb and, and Michael uh, Collery, the two writers who I want to credit, uh, were influenced by Verhoeven in writing something like this. Yeah, yeah. You know. Now, the question is, before they started writing it, did they did they come up with the title Face Off and then figure out what it would be and then write it? Or did they write it and say, what should we call it?
2: <laughs> I think I go the former, just because that, that's the answer
1: I want. Yeah, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of Hollywood movies <laughs> that are, you know, like slapstick. <laughs> 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 what exactly is going to happen here? What is going on? What did this do? Why is this this way? But, yes, that's a question I'd like to ask with a lot of movies.
2: I agree. Now, uh, Rob, let me uh, let me just read some other 97 movies to you. You tell me what you think of them. What do you think of... Uh, and if you can, tell me, what do you like better, this movie or Face-Off? In the same year, you get Kevin Smith's Chasing Amy.
1: Oh, that's a toughie, man. That's a toughie. Yeah. I really like Chasing Amy, and I, I really you. like this movie. <laughs> um, This, uh, Face-Off. Okay. You got Gattaca. Gattaca, I like better.
2: Okay. You got Contact.
1: Ugh. That's hard. Contact I like better. Okay. Because I probably like Contact better than Gattaca.
2: Jackie Brown. Tarantino's Jackie Brown.
1: I'm going to go with Face Off. Nice. Interesting. I mean, I think Jackie Brown's a better movie, but I like Face Off better.
2: (laughs) Yeah. All right. Two more. Oh, no. uh, Three more because you've seen this one and I haven't. Wag the Dog.
1: Uh I like Face Off better but Wag the Dogs also a very good movie. 97 was a good year.
2: Yeah, it seems to be. Uh Waiting for Guffman.
1: Oh, face Off. Okay, last
2: one. I think you'll go Face Off on this.
1: I probably need to see Waiting for Guffman again because it's uh it's a good movie. I d- I mean I saw it, it just didn't really stick.
2: Actually, I'm sorry. I I sounded it might bored. Might hit my there. head that day. It's a really good movie. Yeah. I, I I really <laughs> like Waiting for Guffman a lot. Um last one. Men in Black.
1: Uh, I like Face Off better, but I do like Men in Black.
2: It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Good year for uh, sound effects, I guess. I guess there's like a lot of good... Sound
1: effects and visual effects. The visual effects in this movie were really good. A lot of the visual effects that year were were really good. It was kind of before they started to go nuts, and they were like, you know, we can do practical effects and then kind of mix them with CG and stuff like that, and it, it looks pretty practically good. And at a certain point, they started to go all CG, and that's when everything, you know, you get that interim period where it's like, this isn't good enough to do yet, so it just looks kind of hokey.
2: Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Oh Yeah. Also in that category, one of my favorites of the year, Starship Troopers. Very good effects in that.
1: Indeed. Very much so.
2: Oh, and and one more just so I can (laughs) name drop an episode. Boogie Nights. Check out our Boogie Nights episode. Yeah,
1: I like Boogie Nights better than Face Off. Uh, Boogie Nights is one of my favorite movies. I agree. Okay, well, let's go into the thing where we pick next week's episode. All right.
2: Yeah. Next week's episode. (laughs) (laughs) Woo!
1: (laughs) Okay, what are you thinking? What are you thinking?
0: Hmm.
2: I'm going to
1: put forth No Country for Old Men.
2: Fine, let's just, yeah, like, it's... There's like it's like a block, right? Until we get some of these off, it's just like energy is going to be trapped.
1: Well, I think we should just put forth a whole bunch of movies and then each nominate one, and then okay, we'll, that's we'll one two three shoot for it because we've been doing Rochambeau too damn much. All
2: right, I'm going, I'm going Eight Men Out again.
1: Eight Men Out, he says. Okay, Six cents.
2: Okay, and I'm going. You, back. you said a number, movies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: going. Uh, <laughs> that's true because no is a zero zero countries for old men <laughs> eight men out six cents in that case blah, 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 blah. what's a good number
1: <laughs> 200 cigarettes uh what about, what about, what about, what about? uh the you, you seventh can seal okay you can pick two now because i just put up three
2: uh, oh boy oh boy then i'll go stuck on you
1: well, you haven't suggested anything that I'd like to pick over mine. That's fair. I'm just going to put forth no country then.
2: Uh, yeah, and I think I'm going to put forth eight men out.
1: All right. Ready? Yes. Th- this way we won't have a block on either of those. It's it true. Wasn't suggest- So Okay, cool. Some
2: this some curse out. is going to be lifted in yes. five seconds.
1: All right. Wh- wh- whose
2: odds, whose evens? It's going to take longer than five seconds. Okay. <laughs> it already has.
1: I know. That's why I said that. Okay, I'm going to be odds. Okay. Ready? Uh. One, two, three, shoot. Oh! Evens. We're yeah. doing no country. <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: I was even. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: You're teasing me like a little brother. Hey, would you tie my
1: shoe? Okay, so there's a few people mentioned in this episode. JP was mentioned. JP was mentioned. Joe Wh- Thompson was mentioned.
2: Yes. Who else? Who else? Uh,
1: My sister, Amanda yeah, Whiting, was mentioned.
2: Amanda Michelle Whiting.
1: Yes. Oh, you added her middle name. Now, <laughs> if people are angry at her, they can make her stop in her tracks and freak <laughs> out a little bit.
2: It's because I've heard Deepta drop it a <laughs> zillion times. Amanda Michelle, we're little ones.
1: Uh, Your sister was mentioned.
2: My sister was mentioned. Deepta was just mentioned.
1: You didn't. Your sister's name is Bridget. Oh,
2: my sister Bridget Bradford. There Sorry, I, I should not assume, <laughs> <laughs> especially because uh, yeah.
1: Alrighty, so all those people were mentioned. Maybe we'll tag them in the thing when we post it. And ready, uh, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye. As always, as always.
0: Goodbye. Bye bye. I dare to eat a peach. <laughs> carnivorous couch it happens once a week it swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep it forces us to watch a film about which we then speak carnivorous couch with brady and rob i hate it when i get home from the beach
1: and there's always sand under my face